The Carter Report presents Mission and Message A new look at the church and its future Is the church an endangered species or is a time of explosive growth just ahead? Now, here's John Carter Sometime back I was in Hong Kong I had the privilege of speaking to the pastors from inland, mainland China. I was totally astounded. Tremendous faith. They told me amazing stories. They told me what happened when the communists came in there. One old pastor told me because he was caught preaching this dreadful sin, he was thrown into prison five years. He slept on a concrete bed He was beaten up every day. He was fed pig's food. Then after 10 years, he was let out and put in a rehabilitation center. I said, was it better? He said it was worse. The beatings became worse. What happened to the church? I said, he said, well, everybody, most of the folks seemed to just give up. We lost all of our hospitals. Listen to this. We lost virtually all of our institutions. As the communists came in the front door, the people went out the back door and said, yeah, we believe in uh, communism too. The lights went out. But then after years of oppression, somebody said, hey, did you know something's going on over there? There's a little light over there. Now there's a little light over there. Now there is a blaze of light. There are more Christians today than ever before in the great land of China. The, the, see, you see, you can't kill the church. I want you to know this, you can't kill the church. And the Economist magazine that I read religiously once a week predicts that very shortly there will be more than a million Protestants Now, how many Christians, including Catholics and everybody else, I don't know, but well over, well over a hundred million Protestants in China, more (laughs) going to church than the United States of America. China will become the most Christian country. So I want to tell you, the church went from nothing And it's booming. You can't kill the church. Don't forget it. I've got two presentations to share with you today and next week. Summed up in two words. Mission and message. And in the Western world where the church is dying, it's because they've given up on mission and message. Now today's topic is the mission. We are at a dangerous time in the history of the church. Now, I speak as one who is loyal to and who loves the church. I'm not speaking out because uh, I just want to speak out and cause a bit of trouble. I'm speaking out because while I believe in unity, I do not believe in uniformity. That's the great spirit of America, you see? I do not believe in uniformity. The mark of the beast 
is uniformity because it is not unity with God or God's people. The mark of the beast is yes, 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 yes. You see? Now, why is this a dangerous hour? Come with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and, and verses 1 down to 3. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 down to 3. And uh, I'm going to read it to you here out of the word. I want you to hear it out of the word. But concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you've no need that I should write to you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as what? Thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, they shall not escape. I want you to know today, we are in the midnight of civilization and the world is asleep. Jesus said in Matthew 25 that in the last days, the church would be asleep. And so this is a time of peril. Uh, it is dangerous, it's a dangerous hour because in many places the church has ceased to move as an army. Instead, it has become a social club or a retirement village. <laughs> this is so in the Western world, especially North America, Australia, New Zealand, and uh, Europe. But, you know, it's quite amazing. An article in the Venerable Review magazine, our flagship magazine, declared that the church in North America, this is almost ex-cathedra, this is the review. The review says the church in North America is an endangered species. If that is true, it is true of much of the church in the Western world. But Jesus said, nothing can destroy the church. Now come over here to Matthew chapter 16, 18 and 19. And as we get along today, we're going to talk about the nature of the church. Matthew chapter 16, 18 and 19. Matthew 16, 18 and uh, 19, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell, Hades, shall not prevail against it. Nothing can defeat the church. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Therefore, nothing, ISIS, Indifference of lazy church members. <laughs> Nothing can destroy the church. Now, let me say this. Even though the review says the church in North America is an endangered species, uh, God's true church is not an endangered species. Church organizations may be an endangered species but not the church whose names, uh, whose church members are written in heaven. Now, 
An outstanding author is Dr. George Knight. He is the most prolific Adventist writer since Alan White. Provocative, uh, interesting, uh, and his writings are truth-filled. He says, one of the more interesting words in Romans 11.5 is remnant. The Old Testament pictures the remnant of Israel as those Israelites who had remained faithful to God. There was, so to speak, an Israel within Israel. Oh, this is a heresy. An Israel within Israel. We can say the same of the, same of the church down through the ages. There has always been what Martin Luther called the visible and the invisible church. Are you listening? Those who hold membership in the organization represent the visible church. The invisible church consists of those who have a living by faith connection with God. It is the invisible church that makes up God's remnant at any given time. And the gates of hell will not prevail against that church. Now, the church in North America may be an endangered species, uh, says the review, but they are not talking about the invisible church which goes through to glory. You see? And I want you to know this, otherwise you may get rather discouraged. The gates of hell shall never prevail against God's children. I say to the skeptics, remember Russia. Millions put to death. Church is still there. The old commos are gone. The atheists are gone. Remember China. Remember Cambodia and Pol Pot, that devil. Millions put to death. But the church has survived Stalin and Lenin because the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, David Moberg has suggested that there are five stages in the experience of the church. The first one is this, incipient organization, getting going. Number two, formal organization. Number three, maximum efficiency. Number four, ooh, ooh, institutionalism. Number five is disintegration. Now, George Knight, uh, outstanding scholar, good man, retired professor of history at Andrews University and loyal member of the church, suggests that in many ways we are at stage four. The next step, of course, is disintegration. So you can see I'm not too much uh, into uh, political correctness. I believe we should preach the truth and let the words of God fall where they will. Therefore, how can the church avoid disaster, the visible church, and fulfill God's grand and glorious purpose? Now, I would remind you of this. This is hard for some of us to take in because it causes us to use the molecules. 
between the ears. We are not Calvinists who believe in predestination. I gave a talk like this with the invitation of Elder Neil Wilson, the president of the General Conference. I spoke to the General Conference Committee years ago now. And I said, we are not Calvinists. We do not believe in predestination. Many of my friends do when it comes to the church. Oh, we are going to triumph gloriously. We believe that we have the capacity through freedom of choice anchored in God's grace to influence our destiny in a real sense. The fate of the church under God is in our hands. Here is an inconvenient truth. Remember, it was the decisions and actions of the people, the priests and the prelates, that transformed the Christian church into the persecuting papacy. Oh, no, God wouldn't let that happen. I people say, say, people have said to me, no, God will never let that happen. Don't you know anything about church history? Don't you know anything about the history of Israel, the God who saved the people later destroyed them? Ask, I ask again the question, how can our church avoid disaster and fulfill God's grand and glorious purpose? I plan to deal with two vital aspects of spiritual success. Number one, the mission. Number two, the message. And if your church is a dying church it is because it is failing with the mission and the message so we're going to talk about mission and message what is the mission of the church now there are many humanistic ideas but only one true divinely inspired answer the mission of god's church is to proclaim the message of God and win the lost to Christ. That is, oh, no, 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 that's not the mission. Then we may have started out that way, but that's not. If you do not have that mission, you can be sure of one thing, uh, you are going to die spiritually. The mission and the message. The mission is... Turn with me to Matthew 28, verses 16 to 20. Matthew 28, verse 16 and onwards. Here it is. Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Hallelujah. All authority is given to Jesus. You get this, folks? People say, you can't be done. That's because you haven't got the authority. You see? All authority. Verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. 
Now, that's the mission of the church. Uh, we don't need to have a committee to discuss the mission of the church. These are the words of Jesus. These are the words of Christ. These are the person who was called in the Bible the creator of the universe, the great I am, the almighty God, uh, the Lord our righteousness, Yahweh Elohim, praise his name, the judge of men, women, children and angels, the Alpha and the Omega, our Lord and our only Savior. Jesus said it. People say, well, we we got to have a committee meeting to find out what our mission is. Ever thought of reading the Bible? Ever thought of going to Jesus? Ever thought of the Protestants, uh, Protestant foundation? Sola Christus, only Christ. Sola Scriptura, only Scripture. You don't need a committee to tell you what you ought to do with the mission. The mission is the salvation of the lost. This is the greatest and the grandest enterprise ever committed into the hands of human beings. It is above politics and far superior to politics. It is above politics, nationality, race and gender. But there are certain negative factors at war against the mission of the church. They must be identified and by the grace of God neutralized. The Bible says, not by might, not by the power of man, not by the might of man, but by the Holy Spirit. That's the only way it can be done. But I want to identify the negative factors that destroy the mission of the church and why across this great land, as the review said, the visible church is an endangered species. I wonder if they knew I was going to use that. Number one, legalism. Legalism. The attitude that somehow we are saved by our works of righteousness. This is the sin of the Galatian church. Please look at Galatians 3, 10 to 14. Galatians chapter 3 and verses 10 down to 14. This was the sin of the church in Galatia. I fear it is the sin of many churches today. Uh, we'll start at verse 10. For as, as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. Who wants to join a church that's under the curse? For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. This is the cross that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. My friend, old Jerusalem believed in salvation by law-keeping and ended up crucifying the one who gave the law, the Lord Jesus. They were sincere. They were good people. 
in the very worst sense of the term. There's nothing wrong with God's law, but reliance on the law for righteousness brings the curse. It makes, in the words of George Knight, angry saints. Who wants to go to a church with angry saints? I'd rather go fishing. There's nothing wrong with God's law. I've seen churches torn apart by legalism and unhealthy, obsessive focus on eating and drinking and the observance of man-made rules and uh, regulations. Would you come over here? You got very quiet. Would you come over here to Galatians chapter 5 and verses 13 to 15? Galatians chapter 5. Verse 13, Galatians 5, verse 13 to 15. But you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another... Here are people in the church who are cannibals. Beware lest you be consumed by one another. I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Legalism tears the heart out of the Bible, out of the church. Legalism lets the air out of the tires. (laughs) It pokes a hole in the hot air balloon. You know the saying, many are cold and few are frozen. You've heard it. You've heard of the frozen chosen. Oh, we need to magnify the blood of Jesus and talk about his grace, his mercy, his redeeming love. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Listen, you don't sit in a refrigerator to get a suntan. You don't sit in a refrigerator to get warm. I fear that some churches are like refrigerators. Who would want to... Join a church where you're going to be frozen. The gospel is a warm flame. And where the fire is warm and you're cold, you want to go. Legalism. Number two, great hindrance to the gospel. Liberalism, the great enemy of mission. The liberals say that no one needs saving. Why do evangelism? No one needs it. Jesus was just a good man. Jesus did not die for our sins. He just showed us an example. That sin is merely ignorance, that our main duty is to copy Jesus and do good works. That the Bible is full of mistakes, that men and women evolved through the animals that traditional marriage is out of date, 
that Bible preaching and evangelism are unnecessary and uh, offensive. We don't want it. In our church, talking about my church, my denomination, there are legalists on the right and liberals uh, on the left. Nothing new. When Jesus came, there were the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The far right and the far left, both in their own way, make war against the mission of the church. And the legalists and the liberals on both sides of the church are as bad as each other. What they need, what we need, is the blood of Christ. An amazing grace. I've seen Satan's warfare against the mission of the church. I've also seen God's hand revealed. When man closes the door, God opens a window. I'm going to tell you something. Don't you tell anybody. When I came to this part of the world, uh, our meetings were closed down by liberals in the church who didn't believe in the Bible. They thought they had closed us down. But God opened up a door in Russia where we saw millions come to the meetings. You see, hundreds of thousands come uh, to Christ. So I want to tell you this. We don't want liberalism and we don't want legalism. What we want is is the cross of Christ and the love of God in our hearts. Today we're talking about the mission of the church, more amazing truths, just moments away. Antichrist is in the temple of God. I will read you the actual words of the great Roman Catholic Church. More than a billion people pray to the dead. But the Bible talks very plainly about good angels and bad angels. Why on earth were you and I born. This DVD series from John Carter will be yours with a gift of $50 US or $70 Australian. Write to us at the address on the screen. Shipping is free in the US and Australia. Visit carterreport.org, your home for inspirational teaching. billion people live in India. Two hundred million of these are Dalits. Dalits, formerly called untouchables, are the lowest members of the caste system. One hundred percent of your gift will go to fund projects for Dalit girls as an alternative to slavery and prostitution. 
your gift of $600 will educate, clothe, and feed one daylit girl between 5 and 15 years of age for one year. Go to carterreport.org or to the address on the screen to send your gift of $600 and change the life of one Indian daylit girl for one full year. For a copy of today's program, please contact us at P.O. Box 1900, Thousand Oaks, California, 91358. Or in Australia, contact us at P.O. Box 861, Terrigal, New South Wales, 2260. This program is made possible through the generous support of viewers like you. We thank you for your continued support. May God richly bless you.